there. I'm OMN's Tom D'Antoni. Welcome to another one of our weekly coffee shop conversations. We don't usually deal with the business part of show business because, well, unless you're a working musician, it can be boring. Let's face it. But I wonder if you knew that there is a chapter of the American Federation of Musicians in Portland known as the Musicians Local 99. Not only is there one, but it has a head honcho who is here with me today. There's a lot that goes on that we don't know about and possibly don't want to know, but Bruce Fife is going to give us a non-boring glimpse into that end of the business. What does the Musicians Union do? How has the role changed with the changes in culture and technology? Let's meet Bruce Fife. Oh, Bruce, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Good to be here. I haven't seen you for a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't think of all the music fans in, in, in Oregon, okay, millions of them right i don't know that anybody knows a damn thing about the music the musicians union yeah there's a lot of people that say i didn't know there was a musicians union yeah and uh but uh, we've only been around uh since 1899 in portland <laughs> uh but we'll come out of our shell someday and, and let everybody know we're around that's funny. <laughs> we're, uh, you know, we're, we're actually, actually the Federation, we're an international union, the U.S. and Canada, and the Federation has been around since 1896. Wow. So we've seen uh, a lot of things come and go, and uh, it's the same over and over again. Technology keeps trying to replace musicians. Right. Successfully so. Yes, yes. And so round yeah. and round we go. That's what uh, uh, theater organs were all about. Let's just fire the band and build a contraption that can sound like a whole a whole orchestra. Yeah, well, the player piano was the first synthesizer <laughs> <laughs> to take away those jobs. My grandmother had one of those. I'm sure she did. Yeah. Lots of them did. Lots of <laughs> lots of grandparents did. <laughs> okay, it's the American Federation of Musicians of the United States and Canada. The United States and Canada. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and um, and in Portland, it's called the Musicians Union. Yeah, we're a Local 99. Okay. Um, we, we just straight up call ourselves a Musicians Union, Local 99. It actually has another name, but uh, that, that's <laughs> its official name, but we just go by that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, of, all of, of all the millions of music fans in Oregon, um, I guarantee you that one-hundredth of one percent could, could, tell you, could, could, could say what the union does. And I may be one of them. Yeah. It's, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of Although an idea. You, you've, you've had some interaction with the union, I think, over your career, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, not as a member. Right. Because, you know, I've been an after and SAG, but I've not been in <laughs> the musicians' union. Although I many times have been in the, in, in the union hall. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that's a really cool rehearsal space for people. A lot goes on in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still. Still. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. It's well, a busy, be, busy space. Because, you know, uh, people have been predicting the eminent uh, demise of, of musicians for a long time. And of unions. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> They're very working true. very hard on it. Yeah. Okay. So um, what is it that, that the union does? Okay. So... I know you have this probably rehearsed, and no. you've said it a million times. Well, it's not rehearsed. It's okay. It's, it changes. All right. I mean, the simple answer is we are musicians. Uh-huh. We've all been musicians, and we are here to represent our fellow musicians in the workplace. Um, it takes many forms. 
So where you have a an employee-employer relationship, mm-hmm. like musicians of the Oregon Symphony or musicians of the Portland Opera or those type of circumstances where the musicians are employees, we are a traditional union in that we go in and we negotiate the contract for those musicians. They are paid based on, and the conditions they work under are based on the contracts that we directly negotiate with those organizations. Mm -hmm. So it's straight up union stuff. That carries over into Broadway stuff. Mm -hmm. So when the Broadway shows come through town, the Broadway shows are touring under one of our national agreements, Mm -hmm. and then they also contract and hire musicians locally, some of the shows, not all of them. Some of them are self-contained. Some of them hire locally. We have a contractor that that puts butts in the chairs in the pit to, to round out the orchestra in the pit or the band in the mm-hmm. pit. Mm-hmm. Um, we represent um, independent contractor musicians, although in a different fashion. So if you are a club musician or doing wedding or corporate freelance work, mm-hmm. we, uh, we cannot negotiate directly as if you were an employee because you're an independent contractor, mm-hmm. but we still back up your contract. So if the purchaser doesn't pay you, uh, we will work with you to try to get your money, and we have lots of tools that are um, in our toolbox to, to make that happen. So How do you make that happen? Depends on the circumstance. So, yeah. um, Pay them a friendly visit? <laughs> well, there are different types of pressure that can be applied, and it, yeah. and it depends completely. Each circumstance is different. Um, I had one band that was playing in a festival in Eugene that, got sent a rubber check oh and at that time in eugene that county it was actually a felony to do that wow so i put the band in touch with the district attorney down there the district attorney made a little friendly call and that band got paid really quickly (laughs) because otherwise they were going to go to jail yeah Yeah. um i had another uh situation where there was going to be a big fundraiser it was a big 10-piece band big job uh good money involved um, the band had done everything right, sort of. They'd sent a contract off. Usually when you do these contracts for this amount of money, there's a deposit that's put in place. Uh, they didn't get a signed contract back. They didn't get their deposit back. They kept working with the client, trying to get things finalized. At the end of the day, um, the band on the Monday before the Saturday night gig called the client and said, we're not going to play the gig because they still didn't have a contract or a deposit, yeah. and then walked in my office and said, can you get us our money? <laughs> so in that case, I knew people around the folks. They had a rogue employee, and I was able to get a settlement, oh. I'll say, for them. It wasn't the full amount, but it was a yeah. partial payment for everybody and a settlement. So it just depends on the circumstances. Oftentimes, we look for that middle ground, that settlement, that kind of makes everybody equally miserable, but <laughs> but but creates a situation where you know the if the venue or the club or the client the purchaser has done ill, they feel it as well as the band feels it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, um, I mean, I, I DJ in clubs, and uh, you know mm-hmm. that, that feeling at the end of the night when you have to go look for the person who pays you. Yes, it's not good. It's not good. Not good. So you, you're a musician, too? I spent 25 years as a full-time professional musician. Really? Yeah. What did you play? I'm a guitar player, keys, bass, harp, sang. 
eventually blew out my voice, and that kind of brought everything to a screeching halt and, uh, you know, landed in this position. Playing rock? Rock, jazz, blues, folk. Yeah? Singer-songwriter. Kind, huh. of, kind of the gambit. Yeah, yeah. Shifted around as bands changed. We were talking about Janice Scroggins earlier. Janice w- was in one of my bands and, and uh, lots of people around town. Would we recognize the name, some of the names of your bands? No, nah, they were just working class bands, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Club bands playing original and cover stuff, depending uh-huh. upon the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you know Freebird? <laughs> There How are, about Mustang there, Sally? There are a few songs we have refused to play over the years. <laughs> that would have been one. <laughs> the Paul DeLay joke was Mustang Sally. He was, yes. That was the one. He, almost every, every time he played, he'd, say, he would, he'd joke about that. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to what the union does, the, the, uh, and, and then we have services that we provide too, but then the, as, a, as the international um, we negotiate contracts with the record labels, so mm-hmm. we have what's called our sound recording labor agreement, and that is negotiated uh, sitting across the table from uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, and uh, Sony. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I didn't mention this, I'm president of the local here, uh, Local 99, and I'm also international vice president, so mm-hmm. I'm part of the team that negotiates those national agreements as well. Uh, we have a film agreement that we negotiate with MGM, mm-hmm. you know, Columbia, Universal Warners, um, again, all the big dogs, Disney. Um, we have a commercial announcements agreement that we negotiate with the what are called the four A's, which is an advertising association. So widening Kennedy in town mm-hmm. is signatory to our agreements for commercial announcement work. Uh, I mentioned the uh, touring Broadway shows. That's our pamphlet B. And we're currently in negotiations with the networks over what's called our live TV video agreement. So mm-hmm. um, Saturday Night Live, Colbert Report, Dancing with the Stars, The Voice, all those types of shows that, mm-hmm. have, a live, that have a live music component yeah. that are, uh, all operate under that agreement. Yeah. So, so in one way or another, we have a video game agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, Halo is always done under our agreements. Uh, we just did, uh, I forget what the big hot game is out there now, but we just did that one under our agreements. Pong. Is it no, Pong? No, it wasn't Pong. <laughs> <laughs> that one was not done under one of our agreements. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, um, mm-hmm. if there's music out there, we have an agreement that covers it, and we try to make sure the musicians are paid fairly for that work. Mm-hmm. So there's still record comp- record record companies. There are still record okay. labels. They're doing very well, thank you. <laughs> uh, streaming has done very well for them, not so much for the musicians, but for them. How do you fix that? Well, we have a partial fix. In our last round of bargaining with the labels, we now get a share of their streaming money that comes into. Um, some of our funds, uh-huh. and the, that money from those funds then gets to the musicians in a, a variety of ways. Um, uh, I don't know whether you've ever heard of the Music Performance Trust Fund. Mm-mm. So the Music Performance Trust Fund was created in, in the late 40s as a result of a strike against the, the record labels. I remember the strike. At that time. Yeah. And basically, the, the, the phrase that was happening as recording was starting to take off was that uh, musicians that are playing for recordings are playing for their own funerals. <laughs> um, anyways, the way that, was, that strike was settled was the creation of this fund that uh-huh. put a little chunk of change from every 
uh, signatory records sold. In other words, signatory, the label, uh, is yeah. signatory to a contract, and every piece of product they sell, every record they sell, uh -huh. a couple of uh, shekels go into this fund, and then that fund then pays for music that is free and open to the public. So when you looked in the old days at Artquake, for instance, were you in town when Artquake no, happened? No, no. So it was a big art festival downtown. You look at some of the parks festivals. You look at what we do now, um, Daryl Grant's Incredible Journey of Jazz that goes into the schools mm -hmm. during the jazz festival. Those are all partially funded from the Music Performance Trust Fund. Huh. And it creates these performances that are free and open to the public. That is now funded because it used to be funded from the sale of CDs, there are no CDs being sold in any real numbers anymore. Right. Um, it is now funded from streaming. So uh -huh. that's one of the funds. We get a percentage of their streaming revenues that comes into that and goes out in that fashion. So do record labels get a lot more money out of streaming than the artists? No, but the money coming from streaming is recoupable. So... What that means is when a, an artist is signed to a label, if the label fronts money yeah. to the artist, yeah. it's like a bank loan. It's right. not a gift. Yes. <laughs> the, the musicians have to pay it yeah, back. Yeah. Or, now, regular labels or, never, have never been charities. No, they have not. No, no they are, <laughs> have. I have other words for them. But, right. Um, well, at least, um, at least that the, is called a recoupable, and so mm -hmm. they, they keep that money. Plus, they're dealing in volume. They have many artists, and they have a giant, um, you know, library arc, uh, of of, pro of recordings that that are out there. So it's just the sheer numbers, and that's where the major labors really have their power now. Is just uh -huh. in that the sheer numbers of, uh -huh. of music being played out there that they own and control. Do you think there is less theft of of people's royalties and money than there used? To be? I mean. Guys like Herman Lubinsky and, and all, all the legendary label owners who were just, you know, slapped somebody, slapped their, slapped their wife's name on the, on the, on the publishing, you know. Yeah. Are things better now? No. Than, they're not. Oh, I don't geez. think so. Wow. I mean, we, we have to fight with labels all the time to get musicians paid for, for various things. I, I won't use any names, but, I'm, but I am constantly trying to get the musicians paid properly for the sessions they do. Yeah. Um, and that's just the session work. Now, I will say that um, there's, there are performance rights organizations, is what they are called. Mm -hmm. Most people have maybe heard of ASCAP and BMI. Yes. There's also CSAC, and the newest one is called GMR. Mm -hmm. These are all performance rights organizations that collect royalties for the actual songwriters. Mm -hmm. But there are two types of contracts on every song. One is for the songwriters, composers and one is for the actual sound recording. Mm. So a newer, relatively new uh, performance rights organization is called Sound Exchange. Uh -huh. And they collect on the, the actual sound recording contract. We helped create that um, with the record labels. Um, but when we did that, we made sure that the money that was collected by that organization was not recoupable. So uh -huh. it pays directly to the musicians. 
-huh. And in 2017, mm -hmm. I think, it collected about $884 million, of which 50% of that goes to the musicians. That's actually real money, unlike the Spotify numbers, but it, it is only for what is called non-interactive digital performances. So that's Pandora, Sirius XM, uh -huh. Uh, first Choice Cable Radio, uh -huh. uh, iHeartRadio, any radio that streams yeah. pays into that, into, uh -huh. into Sound Exchange uh -huh. for distribution to the But musicians. not Spotify. But not Spotify. Spotify, uh -huh. Apple Music, Tidal all, are all interactive digital music. And Amazon streams. Music also? Amazon, same thing, digital. Yeah. Wow. So, so with that, you mentioned uh, before we got started here that you were a one-time member of SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. We, we own and control with SAG-AFTRA mm -hmm. the sound exchange piece that goes to the non-featured musicians and performers, mm -hmm. or, uh, musicians and vocalists. So that uh, is money that, uh, that we distribute actually to those folks. And it's, again, it's, it's real money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, it's disappointing to hear that, they're th th that, that people are still like trying to, trying to steal money from musicians <laughs> i mean you know you, you may not put it you may not put it that way but i put it that way right it's yeah. that's the way the industry has always been always yeah 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 so it's it is a sad situation yeah i mean i guess it you know that it was it was and it was absolutely normal until like sort of people like bonnie Raitt came along got arthur crudup's money you know people like that yeah. you know and that, that's been 20, 30 years ago well, already. Even in town here, you know, the, the Louie Louie, uh, I forget what uh, the writer of that was paid, but it was pennies compared yeah. to what it's... Richard Berry. Yeah, what it's made over the, the, the life of that, of that song. But he sold it and was you well, know, theoretically happy at the time for what he got. But, yes. But yeah. people sell these things without having the full oh, picture. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not... I, 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 let me put it this way. Do you think musicians are as naive now as they were during those days when the guy would go and say, hey, that Cadillac out there is yours. That's for signing with us. Meanwhile, they, they, they're going to collect on the back end. But do you, do you think I, musicians I, are, are, are I, as I'm naive? I'm pondering that question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it depends. Yeah. I think there are musicians that are not naive at all. I yeah. think if you take a band, um, a local band like maybe the Decemberists, uh -huh. who really built a, 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 you know, a, a good business and, and uh, branded themselves well, that when they chose to then sign with a major label, they went in with some real power yeah. and could, yeah. could negotiate you know, what is probably a better deal than somebody that hasn't done that. So I think yeah, for those that yeah. haven't done those sorts of things, they're absolutely naive and don't understand. I'm always surprised, especially in the do-it-yourself culture that we live in, how little some people know about how the business actually works. Well, they're artists. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know they're, not, they're not business people. They're artists. They're, you know, they just, they just care about making their art. I... You're right, yeah. but but they learn how to do social media. They learn how to do other things that aren't necessarily connected right. to their artistry. Yeah. Um, but they don't take the time to at least even look at the. Business. I'm not so sure that they that they think of social media as business. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I mean, you can tell the ones who do and the ones who, who, who don't, you right. know. Right. I, even even Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she knows what she's doing. That, that's a business with her, but she has so much fun with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, uh, uh, you know, we, we would like musicians to have fun. Sure. And, and you know, and, and enjoy making their art, you know, but geez. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, I think, you know, what I always, one of the comments I make uh, on occasion is that, uh, it, it is art, and it's and it's fun. It should be fun to do. It should be a creative process that you love. But as soon as you turn it over to somebody that's starting to make money off it, yeah, you should be sharing in the creation of that art. Yeah, yeah. I, I, in the I, revenue that's that's generated from the creation yeah. of that art. I used to hang out with Otis Blackwell, guy who wrote "All Shook Up" and "Don't Be Cruel," mm -hmm. and "Return to Sender," and "Great Balls of Fire," and songs like that. Uh, fever, he wrote Fever. Although the, he and he finally got his money on Fever, by the way, because it was not written by Little Willie John. Um, <laughs> but he would always tell me because if you look at at those records back then, uh, he gets co-writing credit, right, with Elvis, <laughs> who had nothing to do with it, right. You know, and not only that, not only that imitated Otis Blackwell's delivery, but he would always say, "Well, you know, it's working." He got he 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 got money. He got yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, you know, but he didn't get all the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Well, it's complicated. You know. You yeah. Can, you can in a situation like that, you can debate whether, as good as the song was, how far it would have gone without. Right. Right. The person that was singing it or presenting it, but yep. yeah, it's yep. it's a it's a strange business. Yeah. So, do you still pick up the guitar now and then? Not really. Most of the, you know, the fun kind of went out of it when I couldn't do what I'd been doing for 25 years. And, yeah. And eventually you run out of time in the day to do. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That's too bad. Everything, but it's yeah. all right. I, I had a lot of fun for 25 years. I, yeah. I, uh, well, I understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't go to the keyboard and say, oh, I think I'll, I think I'll write something. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's why I tell people, I don't like to have text conversations because it's work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of work too, but it's still, you know, it's just conversation. That's a, there's a reason that they call this, that we call this coffee shop conversations because right. it's what it it's is. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 for me, the, the good thing is that, you know, having spent 25 years in the biz, it's exciting to still be able to be a part of it and work to help the next generation. Yeah. And that's what's important to me. Okay. Tell me what impact you think this whole DIY ethos has had on, on the music business. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything. You know, you can find your faults with it and you can find your, your good things in it. I think the... Um, I think from the creative standpoint and the fact that there are so many tools available mm -hmm. at reasonable costs for mm -hmm. musicians mm -hmm. is good for the creative side. Um, the downside is that because it has become so accessible and so available, everybody is making music right. and there's so much music that it's almost overwhelming and it's hard yeah. to, to rise above the the noise and and really be yeah, heard yeah. so 
I think it's just as hard, if not harder, to actually break into the business. Now. Oh, sure. Um, sure. You can be a part of the business, but mm -hmm. to actually rise above it is, is very, very difficult. And another thing is, you can, you know, uh, 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 as far as the DIY thing goes, you can set up a room in your house and have all the best equipment on earth, and it's not going to sound like Bob Stark engineered it. No, it's not. You know? <laughs> the sad thing is, nobody cares anymore. Right. Right. Because we're all listening to yeah. little cheap headphones, right. earbuds. And, you know, when you walk into that studio or you walk into Big Red or you walk into wherever, and I, uh, I mentioned Big Red because I think he's still using tape out there. At yeah. least the last time I checked, he's yeah. Yeah. still using two-inch reel-to-reel. Yeah. You, can, you can do digital out there, but, uh, but yes, he's still, still got the, the, the great uh, um, uh, analog board. And you listen to stuff coming through those speakers in yeah. the studio yeah. on gear like that, and it's just, right. just people have no idea what it actually, how good it yeah. can actually yeah. sound. Yeah, man, we almost lost that whole thing last last summer because of the fires. Yeah, he had he had everything packed. Wow, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm all for DIY, I suppose, but. You know, I'm, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a, a more of a purist. You know, um, anarchist that I am, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still a pure. I would rather hear a professional broadcaster than an amateur broadcaster. Yeah. I'd rather hear, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, you can't say professional musician because there's lots of bad professional. Well, there's lots of bad professional everything. Sure. You know. <laughs> well, I think the whole. I mean, we even debate. The term professional. What is what does it even mean anymore? Right. Because right. Um, does it just mean that you're being paid for a gig? Does it just you know if you're a you know in the in the actual music world from our standpoint, if you've got a doctor that plays a weekend gig, yeah, he's clear he clearly doesn't care about making money. He's doing it for fun. Uh -huh. But he could still be a professional because he's really good, or he's you, yeah. know, you know whatever. So where does that where do those distinctions come in? And if you're going to describe it, if you're going to define it, so it's just hard. So what do you tell young musicians? <laughs> it depends on what they're trying to do and yeah. who they are. Who they Each are. one of those is an individual conversation. Yeah, there's no yeah. global yeah. answers for anybody anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not like you try to get the record label's attention and get signed. That right. that that is that is dead. The record label doesn't go looking, doesn't develop anybody. It sees who's already there and who it thinks it can move further. Yeah, yeah. Why? But you got to be way developed already. Ah, uh huh. Jeez. And if you don't have a, a, a hit out of the shoot, you're gone. Goodbye. Yep. Yeah. That's tough. That's just. It's just really tough, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the world as it is right now is a much different place than when I was playing because I could make a living. There were a lot of us making a full-time middle-class living out there. Yeah. You know, bought a house, uh -huh. you know, raised the kids, did all that stuff as a working-class musician. Uh -huh. Wasn't famous, just just worked. You had your fans? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. I mean, you know, when you play five, and I was on the road for, for probably 15 of those years. So really? it was, you know, it was all over the, the Northwest, uh -huh. or I'll say the West Coast more than the, just the Northwest. But, uh -huh. 
But you know, it was just a working class stiff, but you could make a living doing that. You can't do that today. And so the challenge, I, I, I laugh when they say, well, we don't want to play more than once a month in Portland <laughs> because otherwise we'll get overexposed. <sighs> we played five hours a night, five nights a week, and right. it was all of us doing it, yeah. and there was no overexposure. Yeah. The benefit of it was you really learned to play. Yes. And you really learned to put on a show. Yeah. Whereas when you do it once a month, it's, it's, it's fun and it's a novelty, but you don't get the same level of training that we had playing five nights a week. There's only one way to learn how to really do that, and that's how you did it. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> so are you optimistic or not? Or not? Uh, I'm always optimistic. Um, you know, in some of our contracts we've negotiated nationally, we've made great strides in the money paid. The, the challenge for, you know, moving back to, I mean, we, we f flew far afield from the actual union and what, what we do there, but the, the challenge is always, um, unions are kind of always under attack because... Um, of management. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> even the government. The government, uh, you well, know, you could... You gov could, government is management. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Come on. Who controls government? It has been controlled yes. by them yes. for a long time. Right. And they don't want to have to pay... Uh, anything. Anything. Yes. They can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. So so we're always in a position of, of struggle. We, we, we get good wages and good working conditions, but at a certain juncture, you know, we have, we have uh, some national contractors right now that are putting together tours that we're trying to get done under, under a contract and under decent wages for these yeah. musicians that are touring on these shows or that are picked up in the towns. Yeah. So, I mean, people don't oftentimes realize if you have, well, uh, Andrea Bocelli played in, at the Moda Center over the summer. Uh -huh. In a show like that, the orchestra that is backing him is a orchestra that was put together by a local 99 contractor mm -hmm. to... So it's a it's a one-off orchestra. Yeah. yeah, and and they come in and they're paid a certain amount of money for sitting there and doing that show. Um, it's it's okay money, but you got to have some real skills to do that kind of stuff. To walk in, do one rehearsal, and play a concert behind Bocelli. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. so that's worth some some money. And there there are contractors doing national tours that would like to pay a hundred bucks or something for for that. And, and they get musicians to do it. So that's our big challenge. Yeah. One, yeah. musicians are so desperate, they'll work for those wages. Yeah. And, and two, that, that, that the, the um, employer will always try to find those musicians that will do that. Well, Bruce, thanks for coming in. My Solidarity forever, because the union makes us strong. There you go. I know you, I know you believe that. <laughs> I do. As the anarchist that you are. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you much.